What is up, guys? Welcome back to the Bread to Build podcast, a project dedicated to sharing the stories of the people who build and those who help move construction forward. My name is Brett Gowan. I'm the founder of Hammer and Builders of Insta, and today I'm joined by my co-host, Matt Pinella. What's going on, everyone? It's Matt Pinella, carpenter and content creator based out of Central California. Today, we got a fun one. Today, we're uh, hopping on with Kyle Stumpenhorst from RR Buildings. I know Matt and I have uh, both followed your journey uh, for a long time now, so we're really excited to dig into your story. So welcome to the show, Kyle. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, I mean, you guys have been doing great, too. So this is awesome. Glad to finally be here. Um, I want to, th- this is a question that I really am itching to, to ask you. I, I think this was the first time you told me was at the International Builder Show a couple of years back, but you were talking about your kind of computer science journey. You know, a lot of folks do not hear of others within the industry who studied computer science and then chose to dive into a career in construction. So walk us through that. What, what were the early days and like what prompted you to take a completely different route? I'm really curious to learn. Um, I mean, I think I followed computer science because I, I love technology. I mean, my generation like was born without it and then it came upon us real fast and then it was so exciting. So that's what I followed. You know, I was always told, you know, go get a big corporate job get a college education, you're going to be happy, successful, lots of money, you know, all those positive things. The problem is I have like ADHD, I'm sure, undiagnosed, but I've always been told it my whole life. And when I started that career working in an office for, you know, nine, 10 hours a day, every day, the same drive in, I was going bonkers, man. I hated it. And about a year, year and a half in, I just happened to be remodeling a house for myself, for my wife. And uh, actually at that time, uh, fiance, we weren't married. It was a house so we could get married and move into it. And uh, I fell in love, dude, working with my hands. It was a challenge every day, something new. Um, You got to see the fruits of your labor um, every day. And that was something that really, you know, I guess it it really spoke to me. And uh, small town, everybody talks and they're like, oh, yeah, you see Kyle's remodeling that house. Uh, maybe he would do your bathroom, your deck. And honestly, I just started picking up side jobs and realized that I could make more money being happy than <laughs> what I was doing, which was, you know, computer science and living the dream, going into an office every day. So you went all the way through college, graduated, got a career path going in that specific niche, and then decided you wanted to get out? Yeah, yeah. I actually had a I mean, I had a, a little period there where I realized that being, you know, in, I think I was an IT specialist. So I managed like seven different companies within one big company and like three different okay. sites and me and one guy kind of managed it all. And I, I loved the job. I loved the people. My boss was amazing. Uh, the company was amazing. I just, I just couldn't, you know, focus and do the job like effectively because it just didn't fit who I was. And, um, you know, I just realized it wasn't going to make me happy. And I wasn't going to chase this like dream of trying to, you know, become more successful on somebody else's decision-making skills. Like, mm-hmm. like I couldn't choose my path. I could only do the best I could every day. And so I thought, fi- I thought, you know, I'm, I'm a guy that is not going to quit. So um, if I do anything, I know I'm going to be successful to a degree. So 
I love building. I'm just going to make it happen. And I'll be honest, guys, a lot of people in my family thought I was crazy. I was valedictorian. You know, I had scholarships on education going into my school and I had a really good job. And it was a little embarrassing that first couple of years telling people, yeah, I, I quit that and I'm swinging a hammer. You know, like that was a, a quote unquote, like downgrade from yeah. what I was doing before. So does, does your family, anyone in your family have a, a background in construction or were you kind of like the first one? Uh, I was the first one that I, let me think about that. I don't know anybody off the top of my head that actually did it as a trade or as a job. My dad was always like a DIY, you know, yeah. like, I mean, he could do anything. I think that all of our dads could do that, that generation they had to, you know, money wasn't, you know, exactly as available. So um, he, he, he definitely was my inspiration and he gave me all the insight that he knew over the years of remodeling, but no, man, I just watched a lot of this old house, read a lot of magazines and just problem solved. You know, that's what I was good at. That's I was good awesome. at problem solving. I, I love hearing that early story too. Cause even, you know, uh, talking to Brad Levitt over at AFT construction, I, I mean, everybody, they, they see where you are today, the post-frame construction that you're doing all the content, but they don't really hear that kind of like founding story of like very early in your journey of, you know, just, I, I'm sure that's like humbling to even think about way back in the day, you're just picking up these small bathroom remodels. And like, you just developed that kind of life vision of you're going to go 110% and you're going to make this happen. Yeah. You know, to be honest though, like when I started, I also was like, dude, I could get up work eight to three, right. I could put in like a seven solid hours and make more money than I needed to live and be happy all by myself. And the problem is we all know, like you, you don't just stop at that. You, you get more jobs, you get more work you need to do. You see the more potential. And that's kind of the personality that I am. You know, it's, it's hard not to just sit back and do status quo. Um, so that's, that's kind of what led me to the path of doing what I do now. It's probably a little bit more, not necessarily rewarding, but more useful what you do now versus what you did with computer science as well. Oh, hundred percent. I always say like the, the greatest joy of, of my job is, is that fresh start on a job site where you have that delivery truck just left. And, and you know, Matt, you got this huge pile of lumber and a set of plans, blueprints. And in my, my trade, like we, we can put up a shell of a building like pretty dang quick. So that gratification Sometimes customers mm -hmm. don't even see any step. They just see, boom, there's a building. Nothing um, to something. Yeah, it's, it's, it's awesome. And it's just a great feeling. Yeah. So let's get into it a little bit more. What exactly is post-frame construction for those that don't know? And why do you choose to specialize in that? Because I know you were doing some remodeling in the beginning. What got you honed in on that? So post-frame first off is, you know, it's like, a form of construction. We've all heard of stick frame construction, mm -hmm. your standard two by materials. You got, you know, timber frame, which is large scale timbers. Uh, and post frame is kind of like a, it's kind of like the, the middle ground between those because that, that timber frame technology has been around forever. The ancient Egyptians were doing it. Uh, stick frame came around because it was, it was easier to mill small boards out of, you know, saplings and smaller trees. This old growth lumber for timber frame just isn't as available. So we use like a modified version of a timber frame with a laminated engineered column. Uh, but the same, you know, the same main principles. Um, and typically you're going to see it in barns. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the Midwest is where I live. That's they're everywhere, man. So post frame is very relevant and it's, it's, uh, it's never going anywhere. Um, so there's a great 
there's a great level of like job security in PostFrame, but also I was drawn to it because I was outdoors. I had been doing like residential remodeling and new construction for the last six, seven years before I started PostFrame. And I was getting tired of dealing with subcontractors, uh, working in people's houses, cleaning up my tools every night, making sure, you know, everything was dusted and clean and free of debris. This, I showed up, I worked, I put my tools in the trailer and I came back the next day and did it all over again and didn't ever, ever really have to deal with, uh, you know, the homeowners. I mean, honestly, it's super simple. So I, I ran a poll on Instagram here um, with questions. We had a, a million of them come in for you. But one thing that a lot of people wanted to know is when you switched to being self-employed, obviously that was a pretty hard switch going from the job you had prior. At what point did you know that like you were actually ready? Because that's a leap that I know a lot of people want to take, but they're just, they don't feel they're ready. Yeah, I think for me, I was forced into either you know, doing it or not ever doing it because I had my first, uh, my first child on the way. So my wife was, I think either, you know what? I think we just had my son in August, end of August. And I quit in September. So it was kind of like, I either need to do it or now or never, because if I get, you know, stuck on this career path and you got to have job security, mm -hmm. it's just never going to happen. And, uh, I'm not good at, thinking about things, I'm better at doing them, you know, and I just knew that that's what had to be done. So you're never going to be ready. That's the thing. You no. just have to have confidence. I think in that's yourself. what a lot of people wait for, though, is like some sort of shining light that they're actually ready to go when really that never, I don't think that ever really comes. That shining light is that first step. The rest that's gets right. better. And then it's the art of figuring it out. Yeah, I think if you're young or old, it doesn't matter, dude, if you're unhappy, what really is like the value in what you're doing. So, you know, if, if the money is the concern, if you're worried about making money, but you love something, there's no doubt in my mind that you can turn that into um, a money-making thing because, you know, passion, you follow that, the money's going to come around. It doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah, that's well put. I'm really curious to ask you this, Kyle, um, from when you started to where you're at today, what's been the biggest challenge that you've faced so far? <laughs> that's an easy question, man. Uh, accounting, like the book work, the stuff behind the scenes. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, the worst part I, of it. Yeah. I mean, my challenge <laughs> has always been not on the job site. To me, I feel like at this point I could build in my sleep. Not many challenges yeah. really get me stressed at night. You know, um, obviously dealing with customers sometimes or mainly subcontractors and trying to make sure that you're pleasing your customer. Uh, while also making sure the subcontractor's happy so they want to do a good job and, and that sort of thing. But it all comes back to, at the end of the day, getting in the office, doing invoices and uh, putting together, you know, bills and stuff. It's, it's horrible. Anytime you have to get behind a desk, it's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly how I feel about accounting too. So that was a quick answer. Yeah. Um, I want to dive into more of this, the social media, uh, and, and marketing aspect, because you've absolutely, I would say kind of mastered this world. Um, when you first started out in social media, what, what was your intention from day one? The day one, all I wanted to do was educate my like potential client because mm. I'm, I'm super frugal and cheap. So I wasn't going to pay for advertising. And, you know, I heard all these other companies on the radio and they were doing their ad spots and you'd see them pop up in the local news. I wasn't going to do that. But the problem was even like, I remember specifically, I had a, 
a neighbor of mine across the street and I live in the country. So when you have a neighbor across the street, like that's close. And uh, they put up a monster, uh, they put up a monster wick building, which is one of my quote unquote, you know, competitors at the time. And I remember running into him and I'd be like, Jim, why didn't you give me a call? Like I would have, you know, definitely helped you out, given you a good price. And he's like, I didn't even, I didn't even know you did it, Kyle. Like, and I'm thinking to myself, mm-hmm. I have a building in my, my own lot that I built, you know, <laughs> and he had no idea. And I was like, okay, that's a problem, Kyle. Like, you know, word of mouth is only so good because you got to remember, I did seven years of being a, a remodeling contractor, a new construction, you know, residential contractor. So when I tried to make that shift to post frame, it was like an impossible task. People kept calling me for new roofs and decks, and I didn't want to do that. So I was like, dude, I've got to go out. I've got to show mm. people that this is what I'm doing and want to do. And that, you know, that's what I had to do. And the value there is controlling that word of mouth too. So I, I hear oh, yeah. a, a lot of people talk about word of mouth, like word of mouth is very powerful, but it's only so powerful if, to the extent that you can control it. Yeah. The, the word of mouth that you want is the one that you can tell your story. You don't want mm-hmm. people telling your story for you because you have no control. So social media, dude, you can, it, it's good and bad because some people I think tell the story in a you know conniving way or in a way that's not truthful but if you're true to yourself and you put out that story correctly people they gravitate to it and i i didn't know that at first but you know i've, I've slowly learned it Did so you, when you first started on on instagram and social in general were you seeing an uptick in interest as far as local people wanting projects i mean on on a smaller scale obviously i know now you have people I'm sure they'd fly you all over but in the beginning yeah uh, it, I would say it took a little while because I just dabbled it and I didn't know what I was doing. I mean, you know, it was so new for so many of us that there yeah. wasn't really anybody that was blown up and doing anything crazy. And it was just, you know, I just wanted to share what I loved and I wanted to show the process and I wanted people specifically to know that, Hey, if you hire us, it's going to be a little bit different. We're just not status quo post frame builders uh, which is what people expected. And when I would finish a job and somebody would say, Kyle, like, hey, that's awesome, dude. It's way better than I expected it to be. I knew I had a problem because, mm. you know, if I'm like underselling myself, I'm definitely undervaluing myself. I need to bring value to what we do. I like how you look, you looked inward and said, well, what, what can I do to change the ma- word of mouth? Or what can I do if the message is not getting out to them or it's like misconstrued? And so I like how you like brought that internally to improve your process. <laughs> that's that's my problem though too man because i'm too type a so instead of like <laughs> letting others help i i always try to do it myself and that's kind of a down you know that's a downside as well but um yeah i mean if you can't if you can't fix your own problem and if you can't solve you know the thing at hand then you probably aren't going to make it this is kind of I, I thought about this the other day while i was driving home i know you're in kind of a, a an area where there's i mean you're not in la but by any means do you think there will be a point, obviously years down the road, where you build yourself out of a job in in a sense, like, like with that one area? Because I mean, it seems like everybody out there has one of these things. No, it's it's one hundred percent true. My my wife's uh, dad, he has a like a small Cessna. They use it to like go uh, scout their crops. They're big farmers out here. Yeah, and um, there's just no no better way to see if your crops are actually performing than to get up in the air and see it from above. And you know. About once a year, I'll go for a ride with him, and I'm telling you, man, I always worried about that, Matt. I thought, there's no way I can keep building at this pace in my area without traveling, but then you look yeah. up and you're thinking, okay, I can see Rochelle over here. Rochelle's about a 25-minute drive. 
and it's way off in the distance. And there is just barn after barn after barn. And, you know, lucky for me, a lot of these barns were all built with posts in the ground there, you know, they're probably already 30, 40 years old. Mm. Um, the problem is like barns aren't that fun anymore. You know, barns are like boring, even though they're great profit margins. Uh, the biggest problem I have right now is everybody wants these barn dominiums, which mm-hmm. I try getting out of the residential new home construction. Um, but I just can't get away from it because, you know, I need, I need something extra. I need something more challenging than just going out and building barns, you know? I'm sure there, there's quite a few. I see them on Instagram right now. Um, people are turning them into like, they're bitching little houses, not little, they're big and they're beautiful. Yep. Um, but yeah, I, I can see how that's kind of pulling you back into the residential side of things. Yeah, um, unfortunately. <laughs> we've seen you use a wide variety of products. Um, I personally love following along, see the latest and greatest. How do you choose the best when collaborating with suppliers and vendors? Um, I think, you know, my, my promise to myself has always been like, first off to stay a builder and by being like a builder. And what I mean is like not relying on any social media income for Mm -hmm. income. So, you know, if somebody pays me to make a sponsored post, a, it's gotta be something I use, believe in, uh, would, would use personally or sell to my mom and dad, but also like, you know, end of the day the money isn't the motivation. It's kind of just a bonus, you know? So, so I don't have like a a need to make money being a content creator. A lot of guys out there, that's what they turn into. They turn into content creators and that's their job. And there's nothing wrong with that. And that's the first thing that a lot of people get so salty about is like, Oh, he sold out. He's just doing that. It's like, well, I sell out to my client every job, my, every job I do, my client pays me it's no different. It really isn't. Uh, it's just, you know, I think people are jealous and we all know how that goes on social media, but, um, you know, as long as I stay true to that and at the end of the day, if social media goes away, I'm still a builder. My income is still based off being a post frame builder. Then, then I can just continue to do, you know, collaborations with partners that I truly like. And the ones that are just out there trying to get a freebie on my feed, I can easily say no, because the money ain't worth it. Mm -hmm. You know, my, my legacy will be tarnished if I just go out and sell out to every, you know, Tom, Dick and Harry that sends me some money or free product. I was going to say, I'd like to touch on that a little bit because I think people truly underestimate the amount of inquiries you have on a scale of your size. So like, for instance, I've seen a few ads where people instantly go to the sellout comment, but they're not realizing that you've had 25 of the same inquiries and you chose one that you actually resonated with. Yeah. And something that you truly believe in. Yeah. I, mean, I think what it know, does come down to a lot is that, that jealousy factor, like you're talking. Yeah. I mean, about. you know, we, we all like free stuff. So when social media took over and everybody's getting their free tools and stuff, you know, it, it makes people jealous that they're not getting free tools. But um, at the end of the day, you know, I'm going to, I don't even usually ask for stuff. It just shows up. Um, but I want to just work with companies that I feel good about. Um, make it worth my time to be making content. You know, it's also an opportunity. You don't look at a a gift horse in the mouth and say, no, I'm not going to do anything. If I'm using this, let's say Milwaukee drill, and you want to pay me to make a sponsored post, I'm not doing it. Well, why? I I like it. I like Milwaukee and I I, I love talking about it. And if people are going to ask me anyway, I mean, I'm going to at least take that opportunity. Um, You just got to be careful. You really have to just think about what you believe in and what you can stand behind. 
Yeah. I think that's the most important about promoting the products. Cause even I see that today, like people are just kind of doing it to, to bandwagon a product or to do the, the, on the tailgate reviews. And I, I like how you stay true to kind of like that building that legacy and actually using the products and standing by them. That's, that's one thing I've never been a fan of is like, people don't understand the amount of different companies that are just willing to throw cash to get their stuff put in front of people. Mm -hmm. And honestly, like, you're, you're only going to take the ones that you actually enjoy or actually would use. And I mean, the amount of money that could flow in if you just took anything and everything, but like you said, your reputation is on the line there. And if you did that at that point, you'd be considered a sellout. And at that point, obviously what you have would be ruined. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. It's, it's a fine line between, you know, what you feel good about. And uh, no doubt there's been times where I've done yeah. some, I've done some stuff and been like, eh, you know, I don't think I would do that again. Like it's mm -hmm. fine, but it just wasn't worth it. You know, like it's not sure. worth it. Yeah, it's also a learning curve. Like you said though, because a lot of this new social media stuff hasn't been around for 20, 30 years to, mm -hmm. to depict. So, I mean, you are kind yeah. of pioneering your way through this and obviously there's wrongs and rights and it takes some time to learn. That's right. I want to talk about the next generation, Kyle. Uh, maybe we can talk about entry level, but What's your like biggest piece of advice for those starting out in the industry, or maybe they want to jump to a different trade or just getting started? Um, I think it, I think right now is like, it's gotta be the best time. I mean, everybody you talk to has the same problem and that's uh, finding qualified people that are willing to come to work every day. Um, I just talked to my drywaller yesterday. He delivered drywall and he's like, dude, we interviewed and uh, talked to six people. One guy said he would come. And then he never showed up on Monday. Like, what what, what are you going to do? So if you're that one guy and you get the job and you something you want to do and you go and just bust your tail, do a good job, um, and you don't even have to probably bust your tail, let's be honest. Like, the, 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 the status quo is so low that you could just go and do the job. Just do it and show up every day. And you're going to be an all-star and you're going to make some, you know, GC builder, contractor, whatever. You're going to make them happy. I th the, the one thing that's been embedded in my head is there's this, I don't know if you've seen this industry statistic, Kyle, but it's about 40% of our industry is retiring over the next 10 years. You that is a blue is. ocean opportunity. It's not like we're getting less humans on the planet. It's not like we uh, are oversupplied on houses. Like people are struggling to find homes to live in for office spaces, the whole board. And I think that's the biggest thing that, you know, even personally for me that I want to communicate to a lot of people is there's a massive generation that's leaving with the textbook, the knowledge, the skills, and this is an opportunity to come in and you have job security because there's so much demand. Oh, it's a hundred percent true, man. Uh, I have heard a bunch of those, you know, statistics. And I think, you know, the way I understood it is that we don't have a huge shortage of people trying to get into the trades it's that it's the number of people leaving that is making the issue so abundant. So, you know, that's promising. I mean, I, I talk to kids all the time uh, through social media that are super stoked about the trades. They are going to trade school. They want to be, a you know, go to project management or whatever construction management class. Mm -hmm. Like I think there's a lot of interest, uh, but those kids, man, I tell, I tell my son all the time, you can make a killing if you get into the trades, you know, in the next 10 years, because, I look at what my electrician charges, my plumber charges, and what carpenters <laughs> are charging. You know, it's it's good money. 
you know absolutely yeah, yeah. No, it's it's almost scary how few youngsters we have stepping in we've been i've posted so many times that we're hiring we pay well we take care of people and it even then i, I had one person out of like 10 that managed to talk to me long enough to set up a date to start and then they they no showed and it's like come on yeah that's unbelievable all you had to do was show up we'd have been stoked yeah i would have thought somebody i mean at the bare minimum would just want to be you know around you to just be on your channel or involved in what you're doing i mean it's 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 tough out here yeah i think you're in a different area too you know where i'm at we're still in a little bit of like a you know i don't know rural america that people i get what you you mean by that but the the same thing since we're so close to la uh most kids grow up and want to be movie stars actors things yeah. like that and i mean no disrespect to that but um you might end up swinging a hammer yeah or slapping someone at the oscars oh gosh <laughs> <laughs> I, I as if that hasn't it. been talked about enough <laughs> i've seen enough memes go around today yeah Kyle, I also have a question around, uh, you know, we, we've talked a lot about uh, promoting yourself, what it can do for your your business and word of mouth. But for that everyday trade that's maybe not running a business, how should they be promoting themselves and their skill sets? I think this is like a very attractive thing that employers would want to see. How would you go, go about that if you weren't running your business today and you were working for a company or, you know, you really so want to start building your personal brand? Okay, so if I wasn't like working first if i was working for somebody else you're saying yeah 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 not self-employed not running your own business and you're saying without social media no like how would you go about it today oh, what, what social are the most media, important dude. yeah yeah i mean here's the thing like we t- said you know you literally can tell whatever story you want so you know i know i know people on social media that do work for people and you know they showcase that you know they're running the job site or whatever task they're doing like it doesn't matter um you can build a virtual online, um, you know, portfolio of whatever you want. And so when, when you go meet that person or somebody says, Hey, I got a job opening or Matt says, Hey, I'm hiring a framer. You'd be like, dude, look at my social media. I've been framing for three years and I, I love making crisp lines, good cuts. I use math, you know? So it really it's, it's like anything in life, dude, we have such an opportunity to do whatever we want. I know everybody has limitations. Everybody has, you know, they might start a little bit further back, but I don't know anybody that has been successful in the trades that didn't put in hard work. And showing up. Yeah. (laughs) You know how many times we've heard that on previous episodes? Like they're like, the key is just to show up and you basically have a job. It's like insane. Answer your phone. Answer your phone. You, I don't know how many times I have literally gotten a job because the client said, I've called five, six, eight people, and you're the only one that called me back. Like, if you come give me a price, it's yours. That has happened more times than I can count in my years. It just blows my mind. Now, do you think that's a lack of professionalism on a contractor's part? Because I've, I've said this many times. I think a lot of people that are contractors are often tradespeople that just kind of stepped into a business that don't really have a business background. So. Yeah, it's true, but I don't, I don't have a business background. I have common sense. Like you, <laughs> you want to run a business and be a good person. You not everybody has that common sense though. <laughs> I, I understand that. But like, if you go to business school, expecting to learn to answer your phone, yeah. um, to, to give people 
honest feedback. I think it's a communication problem. I don't think people know how to communicate properly, whether it's anxiety, it's um, they've overbooked themselves. Like we all know the, the common story that, oh yeah, the drywaller is going to be here on Wednesday. And then he doesn't show up on Wednesday. And then he shows up like on Thursday afternoon is like, yeah, I had this thing going, but I, I'm here today, but I'm only going to be here for two hours. Dude, just tell me that you have two jobs going on and you won't be to my place till Friday because I don't want you showing up for a half a day getting a quarter of the work done because it's inefficient. Like just, yeah. you know, schedule it. Um, but people overbook themselves and they don't like to say no and they want to be people pleasers inherently, you know? Yes, men. Speaking mm-hmm. of that, I, I got a quick question. Do you only take one project on at a time? We, we've talked yeah. about this on previous episodes, the, the one project versus trying to bounce between kind of manage that communication and projects. Yeah, I mean, uh, that is my, that's my goal always. Last year, we got into like two projects at once and it was a little bit stressful. I don't like it. I, I, look, at, I look at the contracting, you know, like I would if I was the homeowner. Like if I hired a guy, and he said he's going to be there to do my bathroom. I don't want him there one day a week and come in for half a day and then go do something else because he's got you know phone calls coming in from other job sites and he's got to go run and get supplies for his guys. Like, you know, there's sometimes where you're going to be inefficient and you're going to have like a, a half a day or something. But um, I think it all pans out and evens out in the end when you have all these half days adding up because you're running between all these multiple jobs and you're spending time trying to coordinate everything. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't work well either. To touch back on that real quick, you, you talked about having multiple projects running at once. Um, I know it was, what was it called? The ukulele station that you did? Is, yeah. yeah. I, I know you, you bounced back to that a couple times. Is that what you're referencing as far as having multiple projects going? Or do you always yeah. sort of have to bounce back to, to wrap things up? Yeah, so that that's exactly. Last year, we got in between the ukulele uh Oregon Music Garage, which was this cool music store we had the opportunity to build. And then we had this this kind of uh, family, we called it the cabin in the woods because it was, it was literally supposed to be a cabin. And then it grew into this like ginormous uh, family like gathering place. But um, there specifically, we really were waiting on a ton of different things. And it windows, I think that was our first supply issue with windows. And it was like, Hey, we can either do nothing for six, eight weeks, or we go start this other job. And it's just going to be what it is. And, you know, I didn't like it, but we had to do it. And, uh, end of the day, we were still waiting on other people. So it wasn't like we were, we were the ones being waited on. So it worked out. So on that note, are you guys still seeing a material, um, not necessarily a shortage, but are you waiting quite a bit to get roofing or walls or anything? Yeah, I would say, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's not too bad. Um, I used to be able to like order a building and, you know, the components of my building and minimally like a week, two weeks, I would see everything I needed. Now we're talking six weeks, eight weeks, um, costs are through the roof. You know, I just priced out a set of trusses at like $40,000 when normally they'd be like probably 15. That's ridiculous. Yeah. All right. To touch on something else, um, growing a following is, is far from easy. You've grown nearly a million subs. How far away are you from a million now? Uh, on YouTube, probably yeah. uh, three or 4,000. Yeah, it's pretty close. Oh, wow. You're going to have nine nine tomorrow or Thursday yeah, or Friday. I'm, no, maybe, maybe by the, maybe by the end of the week, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm actually a little bit hesitant. I want it to slow down because I've got 
you know, I want to create content or I want to celebrate the fact that it's a million, but at the end of the day, like I keep going back to what does it really matter? You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so a million on YouTube, 500,000 on Instagram and 2 million on TikTok plus verification. Yeah. Um, my question to you is with the following that you have, what's the impact that you want to have on those within the industry? You know, I think the biggest, like, um, the thing I step back and am most humbled by and thankful for is when the people uh, that come up to me at these trade shows, like at JLC that I just got back from. And, you know, the one guy, I, he's like, dude, you don't remember this, but two years ago, I messaged you and I said, I hate my job. And I'm thinking about going out in the trades. How did you ever make that decision? And I was like, dude, I just did it because I, I knew I knew I would just work hard, make it happen. And I wanted to do it like that was the decision. And he's like a week after I had that conversation with you, I quit my job. And I started my business and now two years later, I got 11 employees and I couldn't be happier. And it's like, those oh, are the shit. things, you know, mm -hmm. those are the things that you want to make an impact on. You want to show other people that it's possible, that it's enjoyable, that you can make a good life about it. And that, you know, just overall positivity, like what we do is hard. Like there's no doubt about it. The trades are hard work. You know, a lot of times I wonder how I'm going to make it a lot more years. I think, you know, what's my exit strategy because my body's not going to be able to take it, but, you know, posting content and just sharing all that information. And when kids say, you know, I showed my, I showed my boss that tip you had the other day and they were like super impressed. That's what it's all about, dude. It, it gives me way more, way more of a good feeling than to know that I'm going to hit a million, maybe in a week on YouTube, you know? I think that's the one thing that I admire most about you too, because like when I, when I initially met you at IBS, I mean, like with all this followers and stuff, I'll be just totally honest with you. There's like a persona that kind of like surrounds it. But then when you have like the individual conversations with you of like, you're willing to reply to those DMs or shake people's hands at an event. I, I've per personally witnessed that. I've been on the other side of that. And I just, I absolutely admire that you actually go out and you're willing to kind of stand by your word and just have those individual conversations that end up impacting uh, more people than let's just say all of the followers. Dude, we, we all know that, and this is like what it all goes back to. Like at the end of the day, if I stopped posting today and my content wasn't helping people and it wasn't educating and it didn't have some value to it, it would, people might be like, Hey, what happened to Kyle in a week, but in a month, two months, eh, it just get filled with some more content, you know? So, so I'm very, you know, I, I make a concerted effort to try to think about, am I making content for a viral hit today? Or do I want people to watch this mm. in 10 years and feel like they can, they're still learning something. I want that evergreen content. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's the legacy I want, dude. I don't want to just have 10 million sub, you know, subscribers on YouTube because I make, you know, videos where I give everybody a million dollars, you know, I mean, Mr. Beast is awesome, but <laughs> let's face the reality. Like when he's gone, somebody will fill his shoes mm -hmm. with entertainment. You know, it's not educational and informative content. I think about that quite often um, for the same exact reason that you're, you're saying, because there is, since YouTube started out, I think it was 2007 or something like that, we have seen so many content creators that just push entertainment, but they die off and then nobody talks about them for 12 years. And then it's like, oh, do you remember so-and-so? But if you search for construction knowledge, tips, things like that, you'll find uh, Tim with awesome framers on the forums. You'll find... Uh, this old house, you'll find all these old threat, Larry Hahn, for instance, all these people popping up that was filmed 10, 15, 20, 30 years ago. And it's still around because it brings value rather than just that entertainment purpose.
Yeah, it's relevant. I mean, it will yeah. always be relevant. I say, imagine if you're the guy that made the video on YouTube, how to sharpen a chainsaw. That ain't going nowhere. Like that no. value, that has value for an eternity until, I don't know, robots are doing it for us. I, I don't know. Until we, we ban all chainsaws. I, I like that you, right. brought, you brought that up though, Kyle, because I, I think that's one of the biggest struggles that you'll find a lot of content creators talking about is it's got, it's the difference between uh, creating content that they generally, you generally make them happy versus doing what's getting them likes and followers. And it's like a very like hard thing to distinguish from because it's like, okay, this type of content is growing my following my likes. And so there's like a ton of vanity metrics attached to it versus yep. what's actually going to benefit me in the long run. Yeah. And honestly, I mean, I don't ever pretend anybody pays attention to my feed that close, but if, if you'll notice like in the last year, year and a half, I mean, I don't even post every day. Um, I stopped doing, I used to post two to three times a day mm -hmm. because I was worried about an algorithm because you go through this, like yeah. you go through this, uh, Holy cow, people actually like this and they're, they're sharing it, liking it, commenting. I need to do more of it. It feels good. But then you kind of realize, like you said, why am I doing that? Why, what am I really chasing? Quality over quantity um, is is what I try to think about as much as possible. But I, I still fall trap, man. Where I'm like, ooh, this is going to be a good one. I know it's going to be good. I'm gonna I'm gonna bend <laughs> this metal real quickly. But hopefully that metal bend is not only viral, but hopefully it'll be referenced as a way to cut a piece of trim. You know, so I try to find those middle grounds. You know, I'm in a, a little content creators group on Facebook, just a small little thing with um, quite a few people from Instagram and stuff. And I, I can't even tell you the amount of people that sit in there and try to like crack the algorithm and like understand, uh, yeah. like if I post at 1032 AM three times in a week that it's going to blow up. And it's like, man, just have fun doing what you're doing. And if it brings you joy, so be it. And if it blows up, oh, well, but it's good. Come yeah. on, people will come. So That's right. this is a short one for you, um, whether it be content projects, exciting builds, what's next for you? Man, you know what? Here's the thing. Um, my whole life has been unplanned. And I, I found that whenever I think I like, like being a computer science guy, like when I start realizing that I don't like something, my, I'm automatically in the back of my mind realizing what I do like and then my my gears you know go into full speed and i start shifting towards making that happen and i don't know what that is because i'm enjoying what i'm doing so like for me i just want to keep as long as i can building i want to stay relevant in the actual building space but at the same time i just want to you know i guess the only thing that i've thought is next for me is when i can't physically be as you know uh good on site building post frames I would like to have an epic like wood shop and I'm talking like, you mm. know, just a, a killer organized, like I'm not an organized person, but that would be like my dream is to walk into this pristine wood shop and turn my dust collectors on and just have it perfect, you know, and make some furniture because honestly, that's actually what started the business was me and my dad were going to make custom furniture. We made like four pieces, sold them and realized that my dad wasn't going to quit his job because it was too good. And I was like, well, I can't build furniture without my dad. He's got <laughs> most of the skills. So I'm going to start, you know, doing remodeling. <laughs> I want to take this to more of a, a personal level, Kyle, but to, uh, I, I want to ask, what do you do outside of work and creating all this content? 
Well, give, um, give us like the behind the scenes. And we know, we know it's like mess yeah. with Greg a lot, but also, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I really like in the summertime riding bikes. So me and my son really found like a lot of joy together. Um, there's a couple single tracks by us. So we go mountain biking. We love camping, but we sold our camper because it was just too easy to sell right now uh, with the prices. And did, hopefully did you we do well back. on that? I, I had a feeling you did pretty well on the yeah. sale of that thing. Yeah, I, I, I sold it, sold it for more than I bought it for. Um, That's awesome. And, you know, so we love camping. I love biking. Um, we just bought a new house in December. So I've got a lot of projects around the house that I want to do, hopefully, if I can find time. And then, to be honest, I play a lot of Call of Duty with some buddies. Um, and it takes way too much time, but it's just like a, an unplug, you know, it's where I can just That's literally good. not, not think mm -hmm. about anything. Oh, are, are, weren't you on Twitch for a little bit? Are you, are you doing that still? Nah, you no. know, I, that's like, I did Twitch because it was kind of like the whole entrepreneur in me looking at it. Like, dude, this could be another Avenue. Yeah. If I'm going to, if I'm going to play games, I'm going to make it worth my while. But then it was like, I just want to have fun. You know, I just want to enjoy the whole unplugged. Yeah. 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 So I, I stopped doing it and I get people asking me to do it all the time. And, you know, I had guys pay me one guy paid me like 600 bucks in a Saturday. And I'm like, dude, this doesn't feel right. I don't, I don't want to do it for the wrong reasons. Like to, to I'm just not going to do it. Or? No, just like a, just like, you know, donate, like he just donated. Oh, God. To my, yeah. I mean, it was, it was like crazy. He's like, dude, I had a good week at, at work and uh, I just wanted to share it. And so, you know, every time I answered a question, he'd like send me another hundred dollars. I'm like, dude, you don't Holy have to do crap. that. Yeah. It's crazy. That's insane. Mm -hmm. That's a world that I've not tapped too much in is watching other gamers game. I don't dude. mean either, dude. My, I'd my just rather play the damn game. <laughs> my kids are into it. Every, every kid, it seems like gets more of pleasure watching someone else play a damn game than actually playing it themselves i've never understood it my kids watch videos of other kids playing roblox and i'm like what are yeah. you guys doing you it's have a generational game. yeah it's generational yeah. greg greg will turn on a, a stream while we're going to lunch and he'll be watching the games i'm like i don't know it doesn't do it for me but all right kyle all right, we're, uh we're, we're into the fun now we're into the fun okay. stuff. Uh, before we wrap up every episode, uh, we end with our thing called the Fast Five. It's five questions to be answered in a sentence or less. So number one, who has nicer calves, you, Greg, or Tim with Awesome Framers? Definitely me. I'm going to take that. <laughs> oh, right. Tim's going to have something to say about that one. <laughs> he can. He can say all he wants. I've compared him. Number two. The one tool that has never let you down would be? Triple hammer. Three. What's the next big thing for the industry? I don't know, dude. I mean, that's serious. I, I don't know what the next big thing is. If I did, I'd probably be a millionaire in the future. <laughs> it's the art of figuring it out. Just be ahead of the wave. Mm -hmm. Number four, your one message to the next generation would be? um work hard dude work hard show up answer your phone answer i was gonna but i thought that was too much i was trying to do it in one <laughs> sentence <laughs> number five what does the phrase bread to build mean to you i think it's just what's inside of us man i think that you know some of us were just born to uh to go out you know bust our ass and and find enjoyment helping other people couldn't have said it better 
Kyle, uh, thanks so much for joining us, man, on the Bread to Build podcast. Before we let you off the hook, where can people find and connect with you if they haven't already? I mean, you can just search for RR Buildings. And, um, you know, before you do let me go, I just wanted to pitch. This is not for me, but this is for a great cause. If any of your listeners are, uh, you know, they obviously know that we have a huge shortage in the trades and we need to support that younger generation. Um, I do have some hats that sell, sell through Beach and Barn. Uh, maybe you guys could throw a link up because $12 from every hat sale goes directly to them. So I don't take any money. No profit comes to me at all. It all goes right to um, Iowa Skilled Trades. Um, and I've met the guy that helps run that out there. I've been out to that program and they're doing some really awesome things. So, uh, you know, go get a cool hat, support support some young people. We'll put the uh, the link in the description. If you guys don't already know who Brandon Patterson is over at Iowa Skilled Trades, highly recommend following them and what they're doing for the next generation. So we'll plug that. And to lead the way, I just bought mine. It gets here in three days. Aw. Yeah, take that awesome framers hat off, you know? Oh, <laughs> man. That's fine. Shots at the calves at the No, hat. you actually should wear it. It's a nice, clean hat. I've got one, too, and it, it is good. And Tim's an awesome dude. Tim, I'm sorry if you're listening. Your calves are it's got very a nice. Little, a little Tim on there, too. You, you will <laughs> smith them twice, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> And if he was here, I'd give him a hug right after it. So it's all good. <laughs> all righty, guys, we're, we're closing out. Uh, thanks everyone for listening to the, what is it, Matt? The 24th episode of the podcast. We're just going to say 20 something, 20 something podcast. Um, if you like this episode, you like what we're doing, uh, drop an awesome review. Uh, we're not running ads or anything on this. So we just want to get the message out to next generation folks and help move the construction industry forward. Um, if you'd like to join us on the podcast, as always, um, feel free to email us at bread to build podcast at gmail.com, or you can find uh, Matt and I on social media. Um, as always, you can find me uh, at hammer on the hammer app builders of Insta on Instagram. You can find me at Matt Bangswood on nearly every social outlet. Thank you guys for listening to whatever episode this may be. Um, you can, you can tell how serious we take this. Um, we'll see you guys next time on the bread to build podcast. <laughs>